Never before in modern history can I think of a time when something as sweeping and global and all-encompassing has existed in the way that the coronavirus is upon us right now. And with it, so much fear, anxiety, and uncertainty swirling around for all of us as a collective as we try to navigate this thing and figure out what it's going to mean as we move forward. It's causing so much uncertainty for everybody that I've been in contact with on all sorts of levels, including our emotional levels, our economic levels. There are people who are losing jobs, people who are trying to figure out what it looks like to homeschool their kids when that was never on the table for them before, and so much that we just don't know yet. Often with this degree of uncertainty comes a feeling of powerlessness, of helplessness, of not knowing what we can do to improve the situation. Um, and certainly we're all doing the best that we can with the shelter-in-place decrees that are super important for helping us flatten the curve of this thing and get past it quicker. Um, but I wanted to do this episode with my friend Dr. Scott Graves uh, to offer some, hopefully some hope, um, some tangible things that we can do to take care of ourselves during this time and to um, hopefully move through it and become better on the other side, even though we're not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. Um, but Dr. Scott Graves is an acupuncture physician. He has a master's in counseling and theology. He's the founder of the Triune Wellness Center in Orlando, Florida, and is the creator of the Total Gut Transformation, all of which I will link to in the show notes. So as you settle into this episode, my hope for you is that you will find tangible ways to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune in. You're listening to Why in the World, a podcast fueled by curiosity, featuring deep dive conversations about meaning, purpose, and why we show up in the world the way that we do. I'm your host, psychotherapist, Brian Nixon. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Why in the World podcast. Uh, this is a bit of an impromptu episode in light of the recent coronavirus situation, and I'm pleased to be here with my good friend and um, practitioner of Chinese medicine and acupuncture, Dr. Scott Graves. So welcome, Scott. Thanks for being on. For having me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm wondering if you want to take just a few minutes and kind of tell everybody who you are and what you do um, and just a little bit about your work in the world. Sure. Yeah. So I've been a naturopathic physician and a acupuncture physician for the last eight years here in central Florida and Orlando. And essentially what I've learned to do over the years is to really get at the root causes of why people have the health problems they have and to offer solutions to them that are natural uh, and don't cause any kind of secondary side effects in the long run and help people to heal completely naturally. And this involves taking a look at every single aspect of a person's being, like the physical aspects to their healing, energetic aspects, and also the mental and emotional aspects that 
drive a lot of what we see in terms of health problems and disease in the world today as well. So that's just a quick summary. Essentially, if I had to summarize that, I help people to discover the root causes of their health issues, come up with an easy to follow plan, and so that people can heal powerfully without surgery and drugs. Yeah. And, and some of what I'm hearing in that is just how interconnected all the different layers are for us, the, the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual, they're all interconnected. Absolutely. Yeah. I discovered early on that with my own healing, there was nothing physically wrong with me, even though I had a physical manifestation of symptoms, but I realized very quickly that in order for me to heal, I was going to have to heal the deeper emotional issues that I was carrying around with me from my past. And when I did heal from those emotional issues, that translated into physical healing in my body. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. How did you find your way onto that path? Well, the the path towards that involved me questioning the narrative in society and questioning the narrative as how that relates to me. And it goes well with what we're seeing in terms of uh, the coronavirus and what's happening in society today. This is hopefully, you know, we'll talk today a little bit about how this has been a wake-up call for humanity. But the wake-up call for me was I was married uh, at one time and my, my wife at the time, she had migraine headaches, breast tumors, severe attention deficit disorder, uh, life-threatening asthma. She got skin rashes like almost every weekend and she would take drugs to deal with some of the symptoms, but they would cause a lot of other secondary side, of some side effects. And I realized very quickly on that this is kind of a hamster wheel of insanity. We would take medications for one thing, but they would cause a bunch of other problems and they would never really get to the root cause of her issues. And one day I kind of had like this emergence within and I said to her, I said, if there's anything in this world that's natural that can help you to heal, I am going to search the globe to find it. And that year I read like 35 books on all kinds of different things related to natural health and we tried all kinds of different things but at the end of about nine months and trying things that logically made sense to me she literally healed from all of her health problems and that was a wake-up call for me because i didn't have any medical experience at the time and the western narrative is you you can't cure migraines you can't cure breast tumors. You, you, you can't cure attention deficit disorder. There's just drugs for that. And I decided to question that narrative and it's the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. And it caused me to question how I related to myself about being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition at the age of 17. And it's the same mentality that I bring in with my patients to be like, Let's actually see what the root cause is of your issue and work towards getting at that cause so that we can help you to heal. That, that feels like a good overview and sort of segue into why we're doing this episode today about on a mass scale, the collective illness that we're all experiencing with this coronavirus and the social distancing um, and all of the all of the fear that that brings up and the anxiety and 
um, as we all sort of face down the darkness and face down the the unpredictability of of where this is going um, as a as a therapist, you know I certainly feel it personally I feel it um, you know I feel it as a parent, I feel it as a as a spouse, I feel it as a friend, you know when I'm in these contexts and not able to do so many things that I could take for granted before that were so, um, so easy that now are, are limited and not knowing kind of where it's going to go, what the, what the outcome will be, what will be changed, what will be different. And I feel that intensely with, even with my clients and, um, that there's just so much that all of this is bringing up and there's, you know, you talked about the different layers of, of all of this. And, um, those layers are really, really complex and really complicated in terms of how they all intersect and, um, just seeing, you know, how the, the emotional and the physical and the spiritual are all woven together has been really profound in one sense. Like, I don't think that there's been a time before where all of humanity was kind of in the same boat in, in any sort of way. Um, can you talk for a minute about your thoughts on, on what you notice as a collective and, and something about where you see this going? Sure. If we look at this and we fly out to 30,000 feet and if we put a a context on this virus and say, well, let's just pretend that this virus and the, the reaction to the virus, because I think that's the actual problem. It's not necessarily the virus itself, even though the virus is doing what it's doing, but the, the problem that it's evoking within the collective is massive panic. And the, the depths of that go into each and every one of us into the unconscious and conscious fears that we all hold. So, you know, if you, if you look at the virus as a wake-up call, what does it point us in the direction of? Let's talk about some things as they are as an actual reality and then some of the things that we can move towards in terms of solutions for ourselves and solutions for the world at large. Does that sound okay? Absolutely. Cool. So I think one of the things is first to pay attention to how disempowering this, this whole experience is for humanity where mainstream media is peddling a message that we need to be afraid. And fear is essentially an emotion that points to victimology. And I personally, if, if, if you're in that state, my encouragement to you is to own where you are with that. Like my question to, to a lot of my patients is, are you giving your power away to this? And I even tell people when they come into the clinic as a physician, I say, I don't, I don't want you to give your power away to me. I'm, I'm not your savior. I want to empower you so that you have the knowledge and the tools and the abilities to be able to heal yourself so that you reown your power. And I think the larger message here has been one of disempowerment. So I think the first thing is to stop giving your power away to what's happening. Should you take precautions and you know, and, and do the things that you need to do? Yes, but to take a deeper look at the, the deeper fears that are coming up for you 
because that's what's there for you to take responsibility for. Does that make sense? Yeah. So sort of what you're saying is, you know, if we look at um, what we're able to do to change this thing as a whole, like we're going to feel pretty powerless and pretty overwhelmed. Um, But if we can also look at it in a more nuanced way of like, what is this personally stirring up for me? Like, yes, there's um, a lot of fear about what's happening in the world, but usually that fear is also connected to something within me that um, I may not have been aware of. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And I think that those fears, when you're talking about chakra work, you're talking about what's happening in the body emotionally, fear affects our foundation, our rooting into the world, like how firm we feel. And this just is, this is going to shake up a lot of people. So from 30,000 feet, the, the very first clear thing for me is to help people to realize that you are not a victim to your fear. You can release and let go of the fears you have. And of course, if fear is coming up for you, that's the spiritual or emotional work to do in this moment. It's you say, well, things are uncertain moving forward into the future. Yeah, things are very uncertain at this particular point. Uncertainty falls within the family of fear. Can you allow the certainty to come up? Can you welcome it? Can you allow it to be there? Can you see what it brings up for you? And then to have a message like with you and, and, and people like me telling people, you can surrender that fear. You don't have to be a victim to it. You are given the ability to be able to let go so that you can have internal freedom with regards to whatever is happening in the world. And that for me is a message of empowerment that you're not a victim to what's happening right now. You can release and let go of what's happening to you and you can step into your power. You can own your power and that same power, you could rephrase it and say it's love. Like even in the Bible, it says, you know, um, there is, you know, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So it's a, it's a, it's a way for us to see the parts of us that, that don't have love. Like, cause when there's fear, there's an absence of love. So we look at those spaces with compassion and tenderness. We allow them to come up and then we give ourselves the ability to let them go so that we can move into a new space within consciousness, a new space within our own lives. Hmm. Yeah. It feels like being this face to face with a, a global pandemic and how much powerlessness it seems to be exposing within each of us. Um, it's almost like it's exposing the reality that we're always sort of in a state of um, like nothing is as certain as it seems. Like there's a bit of a, an illusion that we can in ordinary time create around ourselves that life is predictable. It's safe. You know, we know how it's going to go. Um, but this seems to be exposing that illusion a little bit. And so what I, what I hear you saying is that the fear is is just a way of you know taking even more power away even though the level of uncertainty that we live with every day is ultimately maybe not all that different than it normally is there's just a a thing in front of us that's making us aware of it absolutely so let's let's transition a little bit now to um talking about what people can do to kind of reclaim their power 
work through some of the fear that this is inevitably bringing up and be able to transition into the next season of of our world uh, in a way that feels hopeful, empowering, um, and and maybe more life-giving in terms of what we can do in the here and now to um, to work with our fear versus surrendering to it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some physical things that we can do, and then let's move into some of the emotional things that we can do in order to empower ourselves. How does that sound? Sounds great. So from a physical perspective, let's cover a couple of things. I don't want to get too much into this, but from a physical perspective, the, the two categories of foods that are the most life-giving, nutrient-dense, and strengthening for the immune system are vegetables and fruits. And I hear this all the time in the clinic. People are like, I don't like vegetables. And believe me, you, I, to be honest with you, I don't particularly care for vegetables. I'd rather have something sweet, like I have a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, vegetables are so powerful at helping strengthen the immune system. There was a study that was recently done saying that 10% of Americans only eat the recommended daily amount of vegetables and fruits. And so, my encouragement to you is if you really want to strengthen your immunity during this time, just increase the amount of vegetables and fruits that you're consuming. It's very, very simple. People it's like say, the same, same message your grandma told you when you were a kid. Exactly. <laughs> and it would be like, well, what vegetables and fruit should I consume? All of them. Like It really mm-hmm. doesn't matter what vegetables and fruits you consume. I would say consume a large variety because the, the more... The, the, the different fruits and vegetables you consume, they all have different nutrient profiles. They're all going to do different things for your body and they're going to provide different nutrients and phytonutrients to be able to support the health of your system. And especially as we move into the time of spring, for example, you're in Michigan, Brian, mm. and everything in the spring turns the color of green. And in Chinese medicine, the color green is associated with the liver and the liver is the organ of regrowth and rebirth and renewal and in order for the liver to be clean and to regrow the way it's supposed to so that it can serve the body you have to have lots of green things green things have like a cleansing and purifying effect to them so broccoli asparagus kale brussels sprouts Anything that's green, you know, spinach, all your leafy vegetables, all of those things are going to be really helpful in helping the liver to cleanse. It's kind of like spring cleaning, actually. So lots of vegetables and lots of fruits during this time will help to really, really strengthen your immune system. And that's such a simple piece of advice. But if only 10% of adults are having the recommended daily amount, it's a piece of advice that I think is a really, really powerful thing that we can do for ourselves. Yeah, I love that. I also love the way that our bodies seem to follow the seasons in terms of those rhythms, like, you know, as you're talking about spring and the greenness and that being connected to our own physical spring cleaning that needs to happen as a sort of a a way of cleansing or detoxing. That's great. Absolutely. And the thing, like when I, when I got into medicine in, in, especially in Michigan, this is the case, 
when you look at, there's one particular, we call it a weed, but it's an incredible herb that shows up everywhere in Michigan during the spring. And that's I think I know dandelion. what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> I was going to say the dandelion. Dandelion leaves. Like you can actually eat the leaves. Now, of course, if there's a field that's been sprayed with pesticides or something like that, you're going to want to avoid the dandelions. But if you, if they're in a natural place, you can actually pick the leaves off of there and you can eat them. They are super helpful in detoxifying the liver. You can also eat the uh, roots because you can find dandelion root preparation in a lot of herbal tinctures. Really good for cleansing out the liver and for helping the liver out in these times. Hmm. That's great. And that's, that's a lot of, like, that's a helpful tip. Like, do what your grandma told you to do and eat your fruits and vegetables. Um, and, you know, like just hearing what you're saying and using those nutrients to kind of bolster our immune systems is definitely coming at it through something very tangible and physical that we can do. Um, but I, I'm also curious about like the interconnection between our immune system and our nervous system, you know, given all the fear that's going on and all the anxiety. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in the, the way that our mind and bodies are intimately connected. And so curious to know your thoughts on what does hygiene look like on a mental and emotional level during this time? I mean, I have some of my own ideas, but I'd love to hear uh, where you're coming from with that too, in terms of uh, what's, what's grandma's advice on, on that level in terms of caring for our nervous system in order to care for our immune system. I don't know if grandma had that advice, but some of the sages around the world and spiritual leaders, they definitely had that advice for humanity. So when we're looking at, that's a great question, by the way, when we're looking at humanity, the, the one emotion which is dominating our experience within the collective consciousness at this moment, moment could be called panic or uncertainty or just really frankly fear. So we know, like in Chinese medicine, for thousands of years, we have known that each emotion that we experience in the different families of emotion, like shame, guilt, anger, fear, lust, pride, sadness, all these different families of emotions, that they all affect different parts of the body uh, specific organs, and they definitely can lower immunity. So speaking from when we look, for example, at people have incredible immune challenging health issues, what I find to be true as a practitioner is, is that in their story, they have events and experiences from the past that haven't been dealt with. Mm. And there's, you know, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, um, Dr. David Hawkins, he said that, for example, when we have particular things, like for example, he said the mind with its thoughts is driven by feelings and each feeling is the cumulative derivative of many thousands of thoughts. Most people throughout their lives repress, suppress, and try to escape from their feelings and the suppressed energy accumulates and seeks expression through psychosomatic distress, bodily disorders, emotional illnesses, and disordered behavior in interpersonal relationships. These accumulated feelings block our spiritual growth and awareness, as well as success in many areas of life. So when we look at what's happening in society today, 
it's become very clear to me that this is like a wake-up call for humanity to take a look at the fears that you have that you might be projecting out into the world. So because living in a state of fear is a, is a state of disempowerment, and I think that that's one of the things that they're either doing consciously or unconsciously like with the mainstream media, but when we take responsibility for that and say, there are ways that you can release and let go of the fears, the frustrations, the uncertainty that you're facing in these moments and perhaps in the months and weeks to come. The tool that I love to use in the clinic to help people to release and let go of what's there for them is something called the Sedona Method. It's just a very simple way for you to release and let go of unwanted feelings that you have. Hmm. And so I'd highly encourage you, you can go buy this book yourself on Amazon for like $12. And if you can, you can get access to the digital version if they're not shipping at this moment. But what the Sedona Method does is like, let's just say this was kind of a wake-up call for us to take a look at the things that are within ourselves. This is a perfect opportunity to do that. If you have like a lot more rest now than you normally have, your life has slowed down, to start taking a look at the things that are showing up for you and knowing that you can release and let them go and you can, you can literally experience what's happening in the world right now. You can face it with love and compassion and forgiveness towards yourself and also towards other people. That's possible for all of us. And that seems like, a, like an important thing to highlight is that, um, you know, not like when we're talking about the fear to not equate the fear with the situation. Because I, I think... It's possible that, um, you know, somebody could hear you say like you can release the fear and they would hear that as like, well, then you're not being responsible because you need to follow these guidelines and with the social distancing and all that. And I don't hear you saying that. I hear what you're saying as like um, the fear is the is a reaction and it doesn't you don't have to forfeit responsibility if you let go of the fear but the fear is like an added layer on top of the crisis itself for sure yeah i'm not yeah not saying what you had said before at all it's like you even within it like you can either face the things that are happening in the world right now with fear or you can release and let go of the fear and face it with love but just because you are in a state of love, it doesn't negate being responsible. Like, in fact, I would say that love is probably the most responsible state of being in the entire world because love not only takes responsibility for oneself, but it takes responsibility for others in your life too because you no longer just identify with yourself. Because when people are in a state of fear, they usually try to protect themselves and they're just thinking about themselves. We see people going to the store and buying massive amounts of things. And it's just a, it's just a protective response from fear. Yeah, it's fine. It's all self-preservation. Exactly. Whereas in a state of love, you realize how can I help people in my world that are in these states of fear to take a look at that so that they can release and let it go. And they can, they can not only feel more love towards themselves, but they can feel more loves toward the collective right now. And we can help each other versus just simply living in a state of fear in this time. Absolutely. And and to even talk a little bit about the impact of fear on our nervous systems, you know, like a lot of people have heard about 
you know, getting activated into a fight flight or freeze kind of situation. And fear is one of the things that will take you right out of your window of tolerance and put you into that fight flight or freeze survival mode. Um, whereas what you're saying about love, I think I agree is like love can bring us back into that window of tolerance. And it, it's not just a, um, sort of rose colored glasses kind of love. It's a, you know, like it's a lot of hard work and, and a willingness to do some pretty deep reflection on like, what is actually getting stirred up for me in this? Um, you know, the fear that's coming up, it's easy to sort of project it out and say that it's exclusively about what's going on in our world right now. But I know for me personally, there's been, um, you know, like my wife, Angela is a good mirror to me in this. Like she's kind of reflected back to me, my own fear a couple of times during the last week or two, um, about everything that's going on and just me being able to hear what she's saying and realize like, no, there's the, yes, there's legitimate concern and fear about what's happening in the world with this coronavirus, but there's also a way that that fear is linked to something deeper in myself that I'm having to take a, a different kind of look at. And it's, it is sort of a, a strange opportunity in our world where everything, like you said, is slowing down and there is an opportunity for us to look inward a little bit more and a little bit deeper and have a sense of just the opportunity that that is to bring bring some awareness some attention some compassion and some love to those parts of ourselves that are afraid and maybe have been repressed for decades at times you know like we're all there's we're such complex beings that um you know, Carl Jung once said that the things that irritate us in others can be a guide to ourselves. I think I butchered that quote, but it's something along those lines. And I think that this is is true as well. Like the idea being, we often want to project the parts of ourselves out that feel afraid or feel angry or feel whatever, powerless. And we want to put it on something out, out there in the world where we can uh, be against it, try to attack it, try to do whatever we can against it without realizing that it's also in here and it's actually in here that I need to do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember when we went to Honduras for a missions trip and there was uh, one particular woman we went with and you could, it was her first time in a, in a, in a foreign country and, and she was, you could see these expressions of fear that she was having about being in, in this foreign country. In fact, the peer, the fear was very paralyzing for her. And when she was in the state of fear, everybody else on the trip was fine the entire trip. And while she was there, she ended up getting pretty violently sick. And I, and I, I just highlight that to say that if you're experiencing that in this moment, I think that there's, if we had to differentiate, there's the virus and what the virus is just able to do. And then there's the fear that we're placing on top of that. And you mentioned the connection between our, our emotions and our nervous system and immune system. Well, I can tell you unequivocally that adding fear on top of just what's so in the world is the thing that I think is, is probably even more paralyzing to our world in this moment. And that's mm. where personal responsibility does come in. And what you were just saying is brilliant too, in that 
when I took a look at my own life, I did an exercise where I, I wrote down on a piece of paper, where are all of the memories from my past where I have the most amount of fear? Hmm. What are the things in my world that I'm the absolute most afraid of? And it was the fear of being abandoned, the fear of not being good enough, the fear of failure, the fear of not being lovable. It was all these things mm -hmm. that I had to take a look at. And I even realized, you know, that like you said, like it's the fear that we feel in the mo this moment is like tied back to on a string, like these experiences we have, like our wellhouse or our storehouse of fear that we're all carrying around inside of us. So hopefully I think people could see this as a springboard into their own emotional and spiritual growth and use something like the Sedona method to, to, to have hope, to have power, to have a sense of, I can take a look at this and I literally can let these things go and I can be in a state of peace no matter what's happening in the world right now, no matter, no matter what's happening outside of myself. So I'm not giving my power away to that. I'm owning my power and saying, I choose how my reality is going to go, even if there is a virus, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it feels important to highlight too, like for people who are listening that if you are afraid, that's not wrong or bad. Um, and it's like similar, like the fear is an invitation to look at something. It's not uh, an indication that something's wrong with you because you're afraid. Like, of course, there's so much fear and that's, that's, it is what it is, but it feels like the invitation um, is to turn towards it rather than try to suppress it or um, control something or, uh, react to it in some sort of way, like how we respond to the fear. The fear will either overtake us or it will become our teacher. Totally. Uh, to make it like personal, and I bet people can relate to this. So I looked at my, I looked at my financial retirement accounts and within the last two weeks, I've literally lost a quarter of all of my financial accounts, right? Like mm. the money just poof, it's gone. And I noticed my reaction to that and my reaction definitely was, well, there was definitely some fear there and there was mm -hmm. definitely some anger there. And it got me to see right away. It's like, Scott, you're giving your power away to some number of money that's on a screen. Mm. And I, what's so is that the account just went down, but there's what I'm making it mean about that, which is the fear and the anger. So, you know, using the, the, construct of the Sedona method, I asked myself, well, could I just welcome all of the fear that I'm feeling in this moment about my accounts being the way that they are? And the answer was yes. And then I, I noticed how was I experiencing that fear? Like, what, how was, was I experiencing it in my body somewhere? Oh, yeah. So I, I just asked myself if I could welcome those sensations, the, the crushing sensation in my chest, the tension in my could welcome all that too. And then I asked myself if the fear was really there because of me wanting approval, control, security, separation, or oneness. And multiple things came up for me. It's like, well, as a result of me losing this money, it was like, a, like I wanted approval because it was like me rejecting what was happening in that moment. 
it was like I wasn't experiencing love. I was experiencing like a rejection of sorts, but it was a rejection towards what was happening. And so I asked myself if I could let that go, if I could let go of wanting approval. I said, yeah, I could let go of wanting approval. And then there was definitely some wanting control there too, because it's like, well, I want my money back. And, you know, or the opposite of that is allowing yourself to be controlled by something. And I, I was allowing myself to be controlled by what was happening in that account. So I said, well, could I let go of wanting control? I said, yeah, I, I can let go of wanting control. And then wanting safety and security came up because it's like, well, if we don't have money, we don't feel as safe and secure. And so I asked myself if I could let that go too. And, but the, the key to all of this is giving yourself the gift of time to be with these things. Because if you don't slow down and take a look at it, then, you know, these things will just continue to run your life. And you'll call it like, I think Carl Jung said, you'll call it fate or destiny. It's not fate or destiny. It's just these things are kind of under the surface running the show. But, but if we don't place our awareness on them, we won't really see it. So mm-hmm. I, did that, I did that through the anger and also through the fear. And what I experienced very quickly was just an incredible sense of peace around oh, there's just stuff that's happening, but I, I can face it with love. I can face it with, you know, a sense of peace. And I, I really want to encourage everybody out there as well to, you know, during this time, especially if you're isolated, I know like, for example, mindful counseling is doing telecalls, like take advantage of that. So you mm-hmm. can talk about the things that are coming up for you. Um, allow a trained therapist to hold space for you a loving space for you so that you can have the freedom to explore these things that are happening and you can also have a voice that says you can release and and let them go and you can be free Hmm. you don't don't have to continue to hold on to that if you want to make the choice to let it go yeah yeah thanks for that uh that plug by the way um we definitely are hoping that by offering video sessions that um, we can help people that are struggling with anxiety or struggling with the fear or just the isolation that uh, being able to connect through video is an option that's there. And, you know, I would also point people towards your website and uh, I think you do remote work as well. Is that right? Correct. Um, And then you've also got a lot of good free stuff out there. You put out a guide that has to do with, um, Help me out with what it was titled again. It had. It yeah, like, I, to- I totally forgot about that. Yeah, but I, I, it was funny, the timing of all this, because about two or two and a half months ago, I said, you know, I'm going to come up with this huge cold and flu guide for my patients, hmm. and I'm going to make it really complete. So I came up with this 34-page cold <laughs> and flu guide, which talks about, it. Hopefully, like my goal was like, I want to empower people around how to powerfully deal with a cold and flu to really understand it. So one of the things that I think people, because people want answers to what they can do now and definitely want to give those to people. So in the cold and flu guide, I talk very specifically about things like vitamin C. So vitamin C is a very powerful stimulator of the immune system. But what I found in my clinical experience is that you have to take enough of it. And that means that you take up to bowel tolerance amount if you are feeling uh, like if you're having any types of symptoms, like a runny nose, a sore throat, a little bit of cough. 
and what that can consist of, it's not like if you take one of those emergency, that's a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. Now people think a thousand milligrams, it's a lot of vitamin C, but studies that have been done that are that fall a little outside of mainstream Western medicine have shown that if you take 20, 30, 40, 50,000 milligrams of vitamin C in one day and you reach bowel tolerance, um, which means that you either get some loose stools or diarrhea, it means your body is saturating with vitamin C. So I think where people um, maybe don't make the mistake, but they don't take enough of what really can help stimulate their immune system if they do experience the uh, effects of something. Um, they have to take some pretty mega amounts of it. So, of course, vitamin C is very safe. It's water-soluble vitamins. So whatever your body doesn't need, it just gets rid of. But I personally have taken up to 100,000 milligrams of vitamin C in one day and have been completely fine. And I have also given that to lots of my patients over the year to empower them. And another thing's like zinc. So zinc is super incredible for the immune system. But while you're having an acute immune thing going on, like again, symptoms of cough, you know, runny nose, things of that nature, you have to take some mega amounts of zinc. And I go all over all of that in the cold and flu guide and then some other immune stimulating things as well. Definitely encourage people to eat lots more fruits and vegetables, stay away from certain foods that can definitely suppress the immune system. But yeah, it was really fun creating the cold and flu guide because it was really just a labor of love. I wanted to empower people to be like, well, if I create this now, I'll have it for the rest of my life and can send it to people when they're in the midst of uh, challenges with the cold and flu. So hopefully that will empower you as well to have a real mindset of empowerment during this time where the world seems to be pretty affected by fear. Absolutely. And that's actually available for free on your website, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I had a another thought is kind of loop back a little bit when you were talking about um, uh, the powerlessness of the financial market and the impact of of that. This this awareness of in that moment because I had similar fears about money and and what the impact would be, and had this realization of like um, just the privileged place that we're in that those are among our our worries and to be thinking about. You know, there are so many people out there who, you know, just basic survival is is their concern in terms of, you know, will they be able to pay their rent? Will they be able to um, have a job when this is all over? You know, like all of those kinds of concerns. And it took me back to what you were saying about love versus fear, um, that those of us that are in more privileged position, if we can move away from our own fear and towards love, then we have more capacity to care for those who are in need in a different way. If we can not be in such self-preservation mode and, and sort of circling the wagons around ourselves and our world, but um, to be able to be a little more grounded and rooted um, and not functioning out of fight or flight, then we can start to move towards those in need. Um, with more attentiveness, with more compassion and love and, um, and find ways to help those who can't help themselves right now. Absolutely. I, that's beautifully said. I think that that's 100% the way to go is, is seeing it as an opportunity. Like if you can, if you can do the work yourself and release and let go of the fears that you have, it opens up the space within yourself to have compassion for 
the people around you, to have compassion for what's happening in the world and to open up to, in a heart of love, to saying, how can I help people in this moment who need my help? Not only from a physical standpoint, like people need food and stuff like that, but also from an emotional perspective to be like, hey, because I see that as my responsibility too, to encourage people with the message of, if fear comes up for you every single day to know that there's hope that you can release and let it go. I know we don't hear that message out there, but you can. And to be a beacon for people to say, Hey, I'm working on letting go of my fears and the stuff that's coming up for me. And to say, you can do that as well. Like Mm -hmm. that's the best thing you one of the best things that you can do for yourself. So we can come together as humans. We can come together as a community of humans and support each other. Absolutely. I love that. Well, I really appreciate you being on, um, coming on today. I'm, as we've been talking about all of this and sort of turning towards whatever's coming up for us and exploring it a little bit deeper and hopefully being able to heal those places within ourselves so that we can go out into the world with more, more love, um, it really made me think of the poem, The Guest House by Rumi. Um, I don't know if you've read that, but I have it up on my screen here, so I'm just going to read it so that everybody listening can hear it as well. Um, So it's called The Guest House by Rumi. It says, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? So beautiful. And I hope that um, as people have listened to this, that, that they can sort of land there in this context where, as you mentioned, we're all being forced to slow down. Life can't function at the pace it had been before because we're all in this social isolation space. And, um, but the hope would be that we can turn towards whatever's coming up for us and invite it in and let it become our teacher in this time and trust that we will all emerge on the other side of this thing. Um, and hopefully as a collective, as humanity, we will uh, learn and grow together as a result. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that there's a part of me that of course those things come up, but there's another part of me, which honestly is excited about where we're headed because whenever you have things like hurricanes or disasters, of course the hurricanes and whatever disasters, it's just that it's disastrous. But what I love seeing is after those things die down, you see people coming together to support each other. They're growing, they're, they're, they're serving one another. And I, I hope that in some level that this is what does that is it, it stirs us more towards love. It stirs us more towards our collective compassion so that we can we can move forward together in what's happening in the world. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on uh, at such short notice. Uh, I will definitely link to your website and to the guide uh, with all of the health information, the 34-page Labor of Love. 
as you said. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you. Appreciate the work you're doing and um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Love you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Why in the World. And my hope for you is that after listening to this, you will be able to take heart, find a little bit more hope, a little bit more sense of what you can control in the here and now, and that you're able to care well for yourself and those in your immediate proximity right now. And while we can't necessarily open the door and invite our literal neighbors in, uh, may we do as Rumi suggests and make space for all of our emotional experiences, especially as they arise in this uncertain time. And if you're finding yourself needing a little bit of extra help during this time, Mindful Counseling GR is able to take new clients online through secure video platforms. And we do have a team of therapists who are deeply compassionate, deeply connected to what's going on currently, and able to walk well with those who may be suffering um, on a different level at this time. So feel free to reach out there. In addition to that, Mindful Counseling GR therapist Benjamin Reisterer created an app called Medify several years ago that would be really helpful in our current situation. Medify is an app that helps you track your emotional and physical responses as they show up and journal about them, pay close attention to them, and allow them to become your teachers. In addition to that, I will also link to Dr. Scott's website, and he's also able to take online patients at this time. Um, and beyond that, may you find hope and peace. And remember that while this coronavirus situation is overwhelming, it is not permanent. So hang in there, and we will all get through this together. Take care.